Welcome back to the Key in the Lake podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, this is Jake coming live from Lakeview East, Chicago, Illinois, with my dog wheezing in the background. Hopefully you didn't hear that, but she might be present throughout these podcasts after you record another edition of the 12 Days of Barrel Picks. And with me today, I actually have some co-hosts. Cal O'Donnell, welcome back to the podcast. It's the 12 Days of Barrel Picks. <laughs> Hopefully this year, we're going to have a, a calm year. What um, do you mean? Because sometimes we do the 12 Days of Barrel Picks and we there's always one blowout day. This is today. No, it can't. It actually can't be today. It's not even nine. It's not even ten o'clock in the morning. Well, get ready. It is. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of whiskey. We're leaving our cars. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was telling a buyer the other day who also has a podcast, Garrett Turnquist, uh, social sipping social podcast over at Maze and Mash, and yeah. we're like, oh yeah, we did like six barrel six to six podcasts in one day like two years ago. He's like, excuse me, I'm like yeah, we were hurt at the end of it. Um, and one of the people there that afternoon slash evening slash night slash didn't get to late morning or early morning was uh chris bleitner yes and thanks for having me back for uh for this round this year it's always fun yeah um pleasure you being here thank you for coming once again um i think he's in high contention for the mvp of key in the lake for 2022 <laughs> oh, uh, undoubtedly undoubtedly definitely not matt brown um fuck matt brown i think nick brady moss has been He's been a little bit absent this yeah, year. He's been like, a little bit busy. I think having a kid and things like that might. But might... when he's on, though, yeah. it's no, like yeah, yeah. it's tough to compete with with uh, with that. He doesn't know it, but we are going to be doing another whiskey waltz, aka slash uh, told as a barrel pick for Dancing Goat here soon. So that he, should be a lot of fun. He's like the Kawhi Leonard. He doesn't play a lot, but when he does, he has thirty and ten. Yeah, yeah but he actually does play every day at his distillery for like fourteen hours. Versus Kawhi yeah. Leonard, God knows what he does actually. That's <laughs> true. Um, we also have a guest with us to talk about a couple of whiskeys today, and I'm going to let Mr. Cal Madonna do the introduction. So this is an old friend of mine, Mr. Andres Arias. First of all, no, you don't have friends. Okay, this is an old acquaintance of mine. <laughs> we Mr. work together, we're not friends. Yeah, this is yeah. true. Fine, he's an old colleague of mine. Oh, holy shit. Um, keep knocking him lower, I'm just lower, getting lower, down the head. No wonder I never come back. Um, but Andres is currently... Um, change market manager for Pernod Ricard. Correct. Um, but you have been in and out of the industry. In fact, not really out of the industry for what fifteen years, maybe a little more. I mean, twenty plus. He doesn't look like it though. He's got yeah. Latino blood. Yes, Latino blood. Yeah, so, always good. Yeah, we don't crack. Um, I was thinking it was ten years. So just on the looking at your face, or either that or all the Botox you've been getting. Ooh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I suppose you've been. Uh, fixture with Pernod Ricard probably one of the longest tenured now in it's about in the, eight years with Pernod yeah, oh, wow. in the business so yeah definitely knows these brands really really well um but yeah Andres I'll let you talk a little bit about yourself sounds all good you know I've been with uh Pernod Ricard for about eight years the first four it was only tequila driven I was a brand manager for Avion for mm. four years so I was um getting my feet wet in what the spirit side of the industry before that I was 15 plus years in restaurants and bars um, in the great city of Chicago. And then, yeah. Sepia. Yeah. Mm. Some names that are still kicking about today. Yeah. And then um, the last five full portfolio in the sense of Pernod Ricard, all the brands. Um, and then lately, 
really, really focus on our American whiskeys, which uh, Pernod has been growing for the last three, four years. Was that very conscientious of Pernod to start regrowing the um, the American whiskey category since they really hadn't had it for a few years? It was, it was a, a weight de- of regret. De- decades, yeah. It was, yeah. A, it was regret. Right. You know, because, I was trying to be nice. Well, the, the story the story goes back to the sort of early 2000s, and they sold off Wild Turkey. Right, yeah. To Campari. Um, yeah. yeah. And For not good money, I <laughs> And it was, it was, you know... But to their, you know, I guess not credit, but to not fault them, bourbon wasn't selling back then. It wasn't, absolutely. That was the reason they got rid of it. Yeah. Well, and I think as well, Pernod had... You, you didn't know, know Matthew McConaughey was going to come around. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> well, I think, I think the big thing was that Pernod made some big bets um, and, they, you know, they, they didn't want to put... They had several different baskets, but Wild Turkey was just an extra one. You right. know, and they ended up getting rid of it. And while, you know, we can look back, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but I think, you know, when you look back at the early two thousands and the big bets that they did make, namely Jameson, Absolute, and the Glen Livet, you know, right. those brand, all three of those brands became massive, massive household names. Now, Absolute's been in the ether a little bit for the last few years, but Jameson and Glen Livet have just they've just gone from strength to strength, you know. So I think they made, you know, it's easy for us to look back and be like, wow, Wild Turkey yeah. exploded. Yeah. But probably a lot of that is down to Campari putting a lot of investment in behind it, a lot of branding. Um, and so, whiskey just getting really hot. That's yeah. That's like a category itself. Yeah. You know, and, and as, you know, we'll talk about Jefferson's in a bit, but as Trey always said, you know, back then, the late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. bourbon wasn't in vogue. You know, no, it was, no. it, it, what he always says that invest in, in bourbon was like investing in a, a hard copy magazine today, you know, so it's like, right. I mean, the first question I think we asked him on that podcast was why the hell did you buy a distillery 27 years or started a whiskey brand 27 years ago? Yeah. And he's like, I don't really know, but it worked out <laughs> with all the other, um, it's like a hobby. Yeah. All of the business you had to create just to keep the lights on for that distillery, uh, or brand is, uh, quite immense, but to see where it is now, uh, pretty yeah, cool. He's laughing now. Yeah. Before we yeah. get to Jefferson's, um, we're going to talk a little bit about smooth ambler. Something we did a they're back on the twelve days of barrel picks in twenty twenty. Oh, were they on? That was uh I think that was the uh the catalyst of our evening to oh, start man. the six six <laughs> podcast day. I think the catalyst of the evening was probably the eight or nine whiskeys that we'd fired down before <laughs> fired down the hats before that podcast. And and the argument of could we sell whiskey online permanently? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um turned out not so much. Not so much. <laughs> yeah. But uh it, back then it was a great source of revenue for all of our brands and for all of us to keep our jobs too no no yeah yeah, yeah, no, and no, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah we're, yeah. we're actually we bit lucky with this one because i was chatting to andres last night and you know we'd originally talked about doing rabbit hole and chatting yeah. about rabbit hole a little bit but less of those Never samples of kicking about but then andres found this one in the bottom of a bag somewhere beautiful he was sitting behind my bar and a few <laughs> bottles <laughs> well andres before we even get into the brands um what's been your I guess a uh, story with whiskey. Um, has it been mostly making it with cocktails, pouring it in bars, and then growing uh, a love, or not necessarily a love, but a, a likeness for it from there? Well, to be, uh, if I am completely honest with you, like probably American whiskey was not my preferred choice for many years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I'm from South America, and over there we we grew up drinking scotch, and that's all we do: blended mm-hmm. scotch and single malts. That's all we do. That's mm-hmm. all we care for. Mm-hmm. I was drinking. Chivas, I was drinking Johnny Walker, I was drinking Glenlivet, you know, those were the brands that I was 
you know familiar with mm-hmm. let's pour one out for ecuador yeah right yeah. oh that was oh, oh. don't don't, yeah, don't, 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 don't go there because <laughs> don't go there but you we usually only get emotional on this podcast when wilson's on yeah and that's the only time we really see tears but if you bring up ecuador in the world cup he will cry yeah as wgn yeah. saw yeah <laughs> we play better on all netherlands and now look at them whatever um, <laughs> same can be said for the united states yes so. exactly yeah, yeah. um so that was kind of like where I, my my taste buds were when I moved to the United States, and then when I came here, I started working in Latin restaurants, and it started become this little love affair with rums, H rums, and tequila, obviously, and that's how I got the job to be the tequila brand ambassador. And then when I took full portfolio, obviously, oh scotches, I always been with them, and then kind of like we start acquiring these brands, and I started tasting them and getting. You know, acquired taste, and it's you know it's a little sweeter to the palate compared to a scotch, and and then start falling in love with the with the flavor, and also what you can do with it. You know, yeah. cocktails uh, in that sense. Even when I was doing tequila, I was trying to win in accounts with um, uh, aged tequilas that mostly are aged in bourbon barrels, mm. and I was trying to take on the bourbon flavor profile that. You know, the palate was out there, and so trying to do cocktails that were usually made with bourbon, maybe with Añejo tequilas or mm. even Reposado tequilas. And um, so in that sense, when I was doing that, you know, research to to find those profiles, I was drinking a lot of, you know, American whiskey cocktails, you know, the old fashions, you know, we were creating a Oaxacan old fashioned or a Mexican old fashioned, uh, same with Manhattans and stuff like that. And so I started getting more acquired with that taste. And then obviously now working for those brands, Having a lot of free samples come into my house <laughs> helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so being the guy that always comes with a bottle of whiskey to the, anyone's friend's house, so that makes me very popular among my friends. So we sample a lot of that. Um, so that's pretty much where like the whole mm. background on you know flavor profile and preference has come to. And these days, if you ask me what you're drinking mostly, I'm drinking bourbon and I'm drinking still tequila a lot, but it's mostly bourbon these days. What year did you take that ambassador job uh, for tequila? 2014. So really kind of when the cocktail scene was uh, developed in Chicago, but was starting to really grow at the time. Yes, yeah. correct. We were, we were, they were going back to classics at that point. Right. Know, a lot of like people going back to the old-fashioned, back to the Manhattan, back to uh, making a real Sazerac. Um, so that was kind of like where the trend was going. Um, before that, when I was in those Latin restaurants, it was mostly those famous mojitos I was doing with <laughs> <laughs> Famous. And it's interesting, too, because that was when the smaller brands, not just in Chicago, but across the country, were starting to pop up, too. Were you tasting any of the local whiskey distilleries? or people? A little bit. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Uh, especially when I was working behind the bar, you will you know, you know, right. get to taste everything that they wanted to sell you. Right? <laughs> um, so you will, you were tasting a lot of variety of products. What did you, th- did you ever see the growth of bourbon or of whiskey going to the point it's at now back then not not really to be honest with you i i i mean there was in hindsight yes you you could see how popular it was getting how how bars were getting crowded with with old brands and with new brands with brands coming back and that kind of kind of like a um uh, a feeling i remember you know seeing templeton right that was coming back with the old recipe that they were doing back in the day allegedly allegedly <laughs> allegedly um so i was still seeing a lot of people using you know whatever stories that yeah. they could find to you know market it and but also the, con- the consumer the consumers start asking for it and consumers start getting excited about it and, you know back in the day basil hitting was easy to find these hmm. days it's not so easy so yeah. that's that's you know you could see how that trend grows and then you see all these 
brands investing in expanding the distilleries and you see that a lot. You Do you know? think the investment behind Smooth Amblers, how they've been able to grow nationally and kind of stand out as one of these smaller brands? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they won Best Distillery of the Year, I don't know, three, four years ago um, because of the, the, the passion and the love that they're putting in that distillery. Obviously, I think they get to the point where they want to be. It's at some point making most of their juice because they still source a lot. Yeah. Um, but for that, they have to do the, the waiting game, you know, to age all that juice mm. that they have in in, in storage. Um, but I think that's where it's coming from and that's where it's going. Yeah. It's interesting to see how brands are, you mentioned Templeton Rye, and they were hiding the fact that they were buying from MGP. Oh, yeah. And going with how folklore is really developed in the whiskey, developed marketing in the whole entire world, but that really started with whiskey distilleries, and they were kind of... Not just Templeton Rye, but a lot of brands were relying on that folklore to tell this old recipe of my great granddad and push that forward. But now we see brands being so much more transparent, not just vocally in the marketing, but also on the bottle themselves. Where they're saying, "Here's the mash bill. Here's the whiskey that we might have sourced. Here's the whiskey made ourselves, and where we're getting it from." And I think uh, you know the catalyst of all that has become the drinker is so much more knowledgeable. You can't you can't lie to your audience anymore. That is true. Yeah, that I think as well. There's there's a real push in that for American whiskey more so than a lot of other places you know like right and I think it's because the consumer you know as American whiskey has kind of developed over the last three or four years like I've definitely noticed a change you know from people being like oh this is a 300 year old recipe blah 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 blah. it's like 25th generation or whatever whereas now people are kind of owning that you know they're kind of like well actually you know guys we tried the 200 year old recipe and we didn't like it as much as we like this one so we're going with this one you know (laughs) Um, and I think people respect that, right? You know, they, they definitely respect that. And I, th- I think you see it more and more in, in whiskey, whereas, or sorry, in American whiskey, whereas with Scotch, you know, or Irish whiskey, you know, whether it's red breasts or whatever it might be, they've, they've been around for so long that it's, you can buy it, that yeah. it's this recipe or that the taste notes have been passed down. So it's more or less similar, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas things like Jefferson's or Smooth Ambler, they're, they're newer, yeah. brands to the market but yeah. they never well, they never hit the factor that they were they were sourcing the juice yeah they were yeah. actually proud of it it's like they were able to find good stuff out there yeah that's what i was going to say about smooth ambler is they have all along they've said this is what we're doing we're we're sourcing the whiskey we think that you know we're putting it together in a way that's different than anyone else and we're proud of it and i think that's what's cool about smooth ambler and it's mm. cool i think there was a period of time where they were very they were quite popular as they were a young brand and then some of that whiskey that they had sourced sort of went away, yeah. and and I feel like Smooth Amber, Ambler kind of dropped off the radar a little bit, yeah. and now they're coming back because they've they've corrected the situation with the sourcing whiskey, and yeah. now with their own whiskey going into um, some of their their blends, um, they're really I think coming back really really strong. Just to touch on one thing about them. They came out with a cast strength rye this year that yeah. is just off the charts. Yes, phenomenal. It's really, it's really one good. of my favorite whiskeys of of this year. Um, so they're doing really cool stuff, and I and I I think it's cool that they they're kind of coming back now. It's it's fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with Old Scout, that means it's all source, correct? Yes. Yeah. So is that what we're <clears throat> tasting today for a single barrel? Well, it's it's mostly sourced. They still like now putting some of their juice oh, right. on it. Yes, okay. yes. Okay. But it's most of the the, the mix is is source still. I would say they probably put less than twenty percent of their own juice on it. All right. Well, we got uh, a little. Do we know where this bottle is. It being is it already in the market somewhere, or is this just a 
It is a it's a single barrel sample that is somewhere in some market. We'll figure I just, out. I just got a leftover from a barrel sampling. Very cool. Um, <laughs> this is a mystery whiskey. This is a mystery whiskey. We'll, fi- we'll figure out eventually where it's from. <laughs> taste it, let you know how it how it is, or it could be already sold out too, depending on where it was yeah. at. True. Do a lot of the uh, is the barrel program based mostly on the off premise, or is it also with the clubs too? It's mostly off premise. Okay. You know, off off premise has a lot of demand for them, and it's it's an easy sell. So mm-hmm. most. Um, just because of the process is a little, you know, tedious and, you know, there's a lot of hands involved with the tailor of the label, uh, the juice, making sure that it doesn't get sold to do different accounts. It's easier to sell, you know, 10 barrels to a beanies or 30 barrels to a beanies or, yeah. or, or another, you know, a liquor chain buying five barrels at the same time mm-hmm. than getting one barrel sample and hit a bunch of accounts and see which one wants to take it. And, you know, I think as well, we see this a lot, you and I do, but what often happens is Andres and I will be fighting over a battle, like, you know, to sell a single battle. Mm-hmm. Because with Pernod, you know, they, with their whiskies, they're trying their best to appease all 50 states, or not all 50 states, but a lot of those states, you yeah. know, and especially the ones that are really, really selling. And, you know, we're lucky that we have great distribution across the united states but it does come with the caveat that sometimes you know it's a free-for-all um and we will sometimes get an email at three o'clock on a thursday and it's like guys we have until tomorrow to sell this battle <laughs> pretty much <laughs> no it's yeah. literally like that and yeah. they'll say andres callum you guys have these accounts yeah um here are three samples of three barrels we're only going to get one of them you can go out and taste out these samples, and if someone wants it, they have to decide before tomorrow. Why is that? Because it's being taste, 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 yeah, sampled out throughout the United States. Yeah, exactly. so there'll be us, and there'll be, you know, New York often will get yeah. a lot of the first picks. Um, but California. Getting, but you're getting the same samples. Some of so some sometimes some, sometimes we'll only get two samples. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes you only get one sample. Sometimes you get one sample. The case, and you yeah. just have to hope that the, the no accounts you're taking it to are liking it. it yeah. You know. Yeah. And it, it's difficult when they don't have nothing to compare it with. That's just gonna say that's a difficult sell because you're going in like, hey, you want to buy this? Not saying like, here's a variety to purchase from. It's <laughs> I mean, like, I, I I've done it and it it yeah. works sometimes. Yeah. But... Well, this is the thing. This is the thing. So many accounts in the on premise. You know, obviously we we majority at the time when we're doing our um, battle samples or single battles they're in the off um, and so on premise sees the Jeffersons or a smooth ambler opportunity and they're like oh I'm going we're going to just go all in on this Yeah. especially if we can get it labeled and everything um, so it's okay in that sense but yeah you're totally right like the ideal situation is that you've got 8 weeks and you've got 12 samples and you're like right well, I, I can just go in and really entertain people about the, dip, the nuances between these two battles, but sometimes it's just, we're just shooting from the hip. <laughs> That's why I love doing this series of podcasts because it's so different with every every distillery, every company we, we talked about how they do the single barrel sampling. Like for me, that sounds outrageous compared to how I sell our single barrels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I do have to keep track of everything. Um, so I do send samples from like California to California in New York and I'll have them in Chicago as well. And I'm the one that keep track of like, is that one sold? Is yeah. it not sold? Which yep. is, it can be a headache, but we aren't in high demand as much as Old Scout is either. Well, I, I also, I've heard plenty of stories from you about how you've, you've gone in and tasted a battle out. And as you've gone into the emails and said to the sales team, hey guys, just so everybody knows, like I've sold this battle. Someone's like, wait a minute. I sold it. I sold that battle. <laughs> it's, only, it's only happened once. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, it was just... Ha- 
he sold only half the barrel, so half of it was still available. We worked it out. Um, but yeah, it is a big headache when you're sitting with your boss in, let's just say, let's call it Nashville, and you're down there for a single barrel trip, and you sell three single barrels, and the next day you get a phone call from your distributor rep. He's like, oh, that one's actually half gone already. Well, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. We, 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 two, three weeks ago now, um, the, I got, it was quite literally, I think it was a Wednesday afternoon, and I got three reps reached out to me about a single barrel that I had no idea about. And I called Andres, and I was like... Didn't even know it was in market. I didn't even know that we had a single barrel. And they were like, I was like, Andres, what the hell is going on? And he was like, oh yeah, like I've just had five reps like call me and be like, I want that barrel. <coughs> um, and neither of us know anything about it. And then maybe 15 minutes later, an email comes through addressed to myself and Andres with our boss CC'd being like, guys, why are we going to sell this barrel? And I'm like, I'm like, them, I'm like, mate, like I didn't even know there was a single yeah. barrel. But then it becomes a race between Andres and I, because I'm like, I really want that barrel. And he's like, well, tough shit, buddy, because I've already <laughs> sold it. So yeah. it's smooth handlers that high demand in Chicago. Ah, oh, well, that was a different, that was a different whiskey, but okay. I, th- I feel like any of our, yeah, any of our brands, any of our whiskeys, if we have a single barrel, uh, it'll go yeah. and I think it's because once again you know we're the charming sales team well that's the thing our distributor partners are you know we're lucky that we have some of the best reps in the market and so they hear a whisper of a single barrel on the horizon and mm-hmm. they're already kind of putting feelers out to their accounts you know yeah, true. that's great to have uh, that support sounds really nice I mean and then on, on, on the subject that we're talking about why why sometimes this little little amount of um, uh, inventory for barrels in the on-premise is because, like I said, off-premise is easier sell because one of the things that is always going to be the challenge with on-premise accounts is not every account can take 35 cases or 40 cases, whatever the yield is at once because that that really affects their inventory, right? Um, So that's another thing that you have to find the right account that can hold that kind of Mm. inventory at once. Um, without affecting much their, you know, their bottom line. Absolutely, no, that's a huge part of it. Uh, how many single barrels does Smooth Ambler do in Chicago in a year? Would you say? Uh, well, in between off premises where most of goes, uh, the last three years I've sold six barrels, six barrels of, of, okay. of Smooth Ambler. But there was also a problem during the pandemic where there was a glass shortage. Yep. So that delayed a lot of the barrel production. Uh, we actually were changing. The packaging. These are the new. This is the new bottle um, that changed. It used to be longer, mm. uh, taller and longer, and it's a little, you know, shorter and fatter. But um, that was a big issue. You know, a lot of barrels got delayed because we couldn't get the glass. Did uh, the single barrel program enhance over COVID? Because I know for a lot of brands, it got their single barrels actually became more popular because stores couldn't keep their single barrels in stock as everything adjusted to retail. The, definitely the demand is there. I mean, was, the, the problem was catching up with that yeah. demand. That yeah. was the issue, right? Because not only think about that we were short on glasses on traditional, regular, you know, smooth amber, contradiction, rye, and old scout. Now we have it to have this, you know, extra for the single barrels production with the new different labels and everything. Beautiful. I don't um, know what I was expecting, but I just tried it and it's actually really nice. It has it smells like the cereal honeycombs. Yeah. I got uh, like I got like honey dapples. Yeah, yeah. I really liked it. Yeah, and it has a little leathery note to it on the fla- on the palate. It's, it's, yeah. it's nice. I enjoy this. Definitely like that toasted honey on the nose, mm. I think. Do we know But it is a high rye. Oh. What what is the mash bill? Is it on the bottle? I was uh, just trying to figure it out. The <laughs> 
It says forty so, percent bourbon. On it there. says forty percent bourbon. So <laughs> I didn't know if that meant it's forty percent. So rye. It, maybe it is blending those two numbers together then potentially. Well, it's for, no, it's for a single maybe, barrel. Maybe. Yeah, it's thirty six percent rye and four percent barley. Hmm. No, so it's the high rye. MGP mash bill, but this actually says it's DSP WV15002. So did Smooth Ambler distill this? It's And it's like almost seven years old. Wow. So, so it's just, it is, it's, it's, they, they get the blend and they, they finish it at the distillery um, at higher proof, and then they finish the aging there. So it's, okay. yeah, that's how they do it. Oh, it's a four char too. That makes sense why it's a little bit of that smokier flavor too. I was going to say spice. Spice, yeah. There's a little toastiness. There's I even really like it. I, I like it too. It's quite good. It says entry proof is 120. I don't know if that means it came out at 120. I assume. I do, uh, it doesn't taste. It doesn't say. I would say like 105 ish. Yeah, doesn't taste 120. But still, I mean, it's really delicious. I don't know why we are also so so surprised by that. But yeah, I, I, I just <laughs> I mean, think like because Andres was like, I found this in the, in the yeah. back room. You yeah. know, I'm like, we got to get on the Kinoblade 12 days barrel picks. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the thing that Jake texted me what, uh, last night. He was like, "Are we still good for tomorrow?" And I was speaking to Andres. I was like, "Yeah, man, you're on for tomorrow." He's like, "Yeah, I yeah, can't wait." Um, I don't have any rabbit hole picks though, and I was like, "Oh." Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I had a barrel sampling of a rabbit hole a couple of weeks ago and I gave mm. it to the account, but they wanted to sample with their team. And when I came back to pick up the leftovers, there was no leftovers. There was no <laughs> leftovers. <laughs> so that rabbit hole pick now is in market? What will be market? He has been ordered and it will be the first uh, single barrel release in the Chicago market. He's probably going to hit it here around February, March. Yeah, I didn't where know those were even happening. Uh, it's going to be a black barrel in Oh, uh, very Town. cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So big, big, big Brazilian account. Yeah. Sure well, so, yeah. for the World Cup, well, it was. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, so sad for all the all the Portuguese-speaking nations out there. Bunda, bunda. Bum dia! <laughs> yeah. that's, no, about, that's about all I know. They did do that um, Balde Queijo, the cheese bread mm. uh, at Black Barrel, which mm. was extremely delicious. Were, I mean, they were doing a lot of the Brazilian specials. Oh, there so. were a lot of Brazilian specials there. There were I a lot like of Brazilian oh, wow. people there. No. Um, it was no, speaking yeah. of Brazilian with specials. Them. A plattering of Brazilian specials, huh? Yeah, oh, there was a lot how, of them. How, how wonderful to hear. Uh, it was a beautiful a, a crowd. Smorgasbord of yeah. Brazilian specials. You know, it's interesting when getting into your connection to the World Cup and like to these countries that you aren't living in. Uh, Scotland didn't make it, just so you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, we know. Uh, I don't think I don't talk left. No, no, no. I don't think I don't think they play football. I think they only do rugby, right? It was so funny. I was listening to. Uh, um, I can't leave. Do you know Rory Smith, reporter in England, soccer reporter? He was no, talking. I hate English people. He was talking about how. <laughs> I think he was, but he was talking about how like everybody gives the U.S. little gripe that you're qualifying Concacaf. He's like, well, everyone doesn't kind of forgets that you have all the countries like North Macedonia, Scotland, and all that. You literally said that when qualifying for Europe. I'm like, wow, that was a shot. Ex- remember, just everyone, so everyone knows, in Euro 20, like, or it was in 2021, we all know that, but um, England couldn't beat Scotland in Wembley. So everybody can suck a dick as far yeah. as I can tell. Wow, this is a... This was a children appropriate yeah, it language. Was PG until now I got to put show. a rated R on this. <laughs> Expl- oh, man, explicit. none of these podcasts are ever, ever children appropriate. I think yesterday I actually recorded a podcast without swearing or anything inappropriate. I'm going to listen to that. But anyway, um, I w- uh, why I bring up the country and your 
you know, connection to it, obviously where you're from or where your roots might be with your family. I always want to cheer for countries that I've been to that I've really enjoyed. And Portugal is one of my favorite places I've ever visited in my entire life. But I just hate Cristiano Ronaldo that I cannot cheer for them. And Bruno Fernandes. Well, he wasn't playing, so. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> well, Andres um, is a big Real Madrid fan. Yeah, I am. Who but you, I, that was way before but Ronaldo. Who, who comes first, though? Are you are you Ecuador until you die? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I will tell you a story about Andres, guys. And this was without any smooth ambler single barrel picks in him. We watched the Real Madrid Manchester City was it game? That was a Man City game. Yeah. Uh, we were in Buffalo Wild Wings, mm, and Andres celebrated so hard that he broke his thumb. Oh yeah, I remember that. He was like, he was banging the table like, yeah, it's like vamos, vamos, and then he clipped his thumb. That- and I have a video of Andres mm. sitting at the bar with his thumb in a in a glass full of water and ice. That's hilarious. <laughs> Just because the thing swelled up to the size of like a sausage. Oh, man. Fan injuries are, are Champions funny. League will make us all crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know anything. I don't know anything about Champions League. So. But that was actually one of the best. <clears throat> seasons i've seen because it was a comeback every game that was a yeah that was a fun yeah year a fun of to watch. yeah well soccer talk <laughs> no but uh this movie is very delicious mm. yeah i do enjoy it where what's the projection for the distillery in 2023 anything anything new planned well i, I think very astutely chris had mentioned that you know they had faded a little bit um and mm-hmm. there was a little bit of i think there was a lack of investment for a wee while um, right. for for lack of a better word. Because I felt that two years ago when we actually recorded with Noah, I was like, I was surprised that that was one brand he picked to do it because um, it had faded out of, I guess, the the audience's attention. Yeah. And I think, world. you know, with Pernod over COVID, there were so, so many changes. And we've kind of been going through this change currently in Pernod for the last kind of nine, probably longer, 12 months. You know, I left Aberlour in sort of January, February time. Um, and Aberlour had been sort of, dismantled last year and this time this time last year um and i think that in this sort of reevaluation of our our brands and our portfolio smooth ambler has been one of those brands that's really kind of risen to the top um well one of the things that changed in the last five years at least when i started with avion was like there was a brand ambassador for every single brand so there was like an overcrowd of brand ambassadors we were all hitting the same accounts and it was an overinvestment and so the the company says we got to step back and find a better solution than this so you know there was a huge turnaround like the all that team you know vanished and left and some became part of the company like I did and some others left and did something else and now we're coming back to creating a an advocacy team, you know, so it's going to be one that specializes in Scottish and Irish whiskey. There's mm-hmm. someone that's going to be specialized in American whiskeys and someone's going to be in white spirits with gin and vodka. And we're going to attack the markets like that, mm-hmm. um, where we're going to go back a little bit to create that brand ambassador feeling. Someone that eloquently can speak about the brand and everything that is about it and what's coming down the pipeline. Um, and we, we have one in Chicago that's yeah. just, you know, I think she was maybe looking at something a little bit further afield, but then turns out she's just going to kind of hang around in that sort of brand ambassador role. Mm. Um, and she's going to be managing New York, Florida, here, and then kind of some of the other 
Midwest states. But um, for the Irish and the Scotch. And then hopefully one day we can get her on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> she's, she's a very elusive character. <laughs> yeah. Well, because well, she's she was national. Yeah, no, she's she was national. So she's traveled all over the place. I was I was talking to someone very close to her the other night and he was like, I don't, I don't know when she's ever going to be back. <laughs> um, no. Uh, but no, I think. Jenna, standing invitation. Yeah. yeah as always. We're waiting for you, Jenna Murray. I think, yeah, you know, with Smooth Ambler, like I say, very, very astute, I think. This 2023, I think we're going to see a, we're going to see it a lot more, and I think for us specifically, um, you know, Pernod has really taken an interest in American whiskey. Have we described the relationship of what Pernod is to all these brands? Have we accurately, I think, for people, the audience to understand? So Pernod is Pernod is the second biggest supplier of uh, spirits in the world, and they are an acquisition company. Mm-hmm. So they acquire these brands. Um, not every acquisition is the same. Sometimes it's a, they take an interest, you know, like they take 20% of the company and then if they see that it progresses, they take full ownership with time. That's how it happened with yep. Avion. When I started, they were just part owners and we were still just handled by the Avion team. They they believe when they buy a brand that they buy something that they already is in good place and they know what they're doing and they're trying to support that. And for many of the partnerships that I've seen, they let the same team still handle and keep growing the brand. Mm-hmm. And they try to add on and support with the resources that they have. Um, and that's usually what I've what I've seen that has happened with, um, you know, Smooth Ambler is that they, they, they acquire the brand and they are partners with John Little and they want to make sure that they, he still keeps doing what he knows what's best. Um, so the, the ownership is there, but they let the distillery and the brand still run as, as the brand was always. And why wouldn't you? Why would you buy a brand, let it grow, and then take away the people that are most important to it? Exactly, yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. And I just wanted to make sure we had a complete understanding for the audience to to know what how Pernod, I guess, either purchases these brands or helps grow these branches because it sounds like there's a projection for American whiskey and whiskey in general for Pernod in 2023. That is correct. Yeah, and I think... <clears throat> specifically with Smooth Ambler um, and another American whiskey in our portfolio, Rabbit Hole, uh, Pernod acted very typically like an angel investor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that portfolio was originally called New Brand Ventures. And that kind of new brand venture gives you an idea of what mm-hmm. they were looking to do. Now, there were several products in that portfolio. Aberar was one of them, but Smooth Ambler and Rabbit Never Hole. Never heard of it. Smooth Ambler and Rabbit Hole were... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna kill myself, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I have a Buna Alba just waiting to be open. <laughs> and but that, they were all part of that portfolio. Now, emerging from that, there were some there were some products that have fallen away. You look at Plymouth Gin; that was mm-hmm. one that Pernod okay. took a gamble on, and it's fallen to the wayside. Um, was that bought the same time as Jefferson? It, yeah, all all similar timing. Right. Yeah. Um, and you was know, it Castle Spirits or the portfolio Castle Brands. Castle Brands. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then. Um, you know, brands such as Smooth Ambler, Rabbit Hole, Aberlour, Monkey 47, mm. these have all kind of emerged from that pack as like brands that Pernod is completely going to back, mm-hmm. you know, Beautiful. rather than before where the investment might only be for the whole national program, the whole national brand, it might only be a million dollars across the whole country. Yeah. So, and obviously that's a lot of money to a layman, but in, in terms of alcohol branding, it's not at all. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of complexity that goes into how these brands are acquired and how they grow. I think we should really get Stefan back on the podcast because Mr. Black just got bought out by Diageo completely, and they're in the same – they were in the same incubator system of Diageo as Star Wars was in, which is Distilled Ventures. Same 
investment you know fund kind of angels investors angels and, investor, yeah, yeah in a sense but they are overseen through diageo versus Pernod, you know with your investment companies um to explain how that process goes through and then what's happening in real time with his position and the team in general then how it's going to change in 2023 once it becomes a full acquisition mm. but yeah um any more notes on smooth amber that we should know or well do we want it do you guys want to try the old scout just to compare yeah let's yeah. do it yeah. i'm not afraid <laughs> Might as well fight it in there. You know, it's gonna be one of those days. It feels like we have two. We have a we have World Cup watch parties to attend today. We have what else going on? Uh, we've actually got a business meeting at four, um, and then five o'clock we've got another holiday party. Another holiday party. And I feel this is what I'm saying. I'll December have a holiday party tonight too. December is wild. I mean, I feel like we. You, you going to the holiday party? How many how many holiday parties have we been to already? No, no, I'm done with holiday parties. Oh, I haven't even been to one. I got one tonight untitled. So <laughs> Oh nice. Yeah. Untitled. Always a good spot. Another uh, anyone that's listening, great whiskey bar to visit if you're yeah, in Chicago. Yeah. I feel like they just every time I'm in there there's like a there's like more whiskey on the back bar. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like this is never ended. Well I mean they they allegedly I'm, I believe them, but they say that there's the largest whiskey bar in the United States in the sense of the collection. Square face? Or no, collection? Yeah. The really? That's what they say. Over 800 SKUs or whatever. Doesn't Delilah say like 2,000? I have no idea. I don't know. I, did, I was, should know. I, was, I got drunk there last night. so um, That's probably why you wouldn't know, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if Mike has over 2,000, where does he put him? Because that bar is tiny. Um, I know he has a whole other space full of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They haven't yeah. show, he hasn't shown it to me yet. I was like, I opened one of my, or I finished off one of my bottles there one time. And I was like, oh, just get another one. He's like, it's in my other storage unit. I'm like, well, I don't know what that means, but yeah, yeah. just a case of whiskey <laughs> sitting up there, I'm sure, with a thousand more. Um, no, it's interesting to kind of compare the notes to, uh, it, you find the similarities in there. And I'm not sure because it's just the same glass that I'm drinking out of, but that uh, the spice is definitely there. There's a little bit of that honey flavor. I wonder what the char is on this one. 11. <laughs> definitely more mouthfeel in that yeah. single barrel. I mean, obviously, it could be in cast strength. Versus yeah, I mean, yeah, as you said, a little uh, yeah, lower I have, proof. A, I have a big difference, especially the single barrel hung around for ages. Did, yeah. Whereas I feel the old scout's a little bit shorter. Mm. Like you. But definitely the... Um... In the pants. The honey, a little toasted honey. Uh, I, yeah, right? I don't even know why I even companies. <laughs> Punching bag. You know what's interesting? What? Um, this feels a lot less viscous than the single barrel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, typically, this is a this is an on-chill filter. Oh. What's the, what's the proof on that? 50. Uh, 99. Yeah, like 99, yeah. Okay. So, you, you know... Consider the single barrel I thought was a lot less than 120. Yeah, it might be 120. But it know. might be after yeah. that. Well, yeah. this one is 120, right? It yeah. says entry proof. Oh, entry proof. Yeah. yeah, so. But very, like, I feel that this one's a lot more forward on the vanilla. Mm-hmm. Whereas that, the single barrel had that really, like, honey, toffee apple kind of yeah. feel to it. Yeah. A lot of spice. Toffee apple, that's, that's a good note for sure. One of those red apple notes to it. It's lovely, yeah. Yeah. Huh. No, well, both, 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 we'll try like, to figure out where it's at. If you're out there in America and yeah, you might live in the town, we'll we'll let you know um, that uh, that's smooth ambler, or go buy another smooth, smooth ambler single barrel or old scout single barrel. Are you calling? What are they called? I, I want hitting a mason mash in January. Why? It makes my heart hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I spend so much time. I sold the there. whiskey, probably, mate. <laughs> yeah. That's true too. I mean, this is the third bottle he buys from me. So seriously, yeah, Garrett, God. thank you Garrett, very much. God damn it! Have they never bought one from you? I 
it, I still like two skews there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, maybe I won't go on his podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna break his heart. Awesome. Yeah, I'm sure they'll find another guest. No, no one worthy of talking to about anything. But no, I think. Um, you know, I think for Smooth Ambler, it's definitely one to be on the lookout for in 2023. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping that, like we say, I'm hoping that there's a little bit more investment aimed our way. Um, because obviously there's, Pernod's kind of had its eyes on uh, our bigger uh, American whiskeys in the portfolio. But it's a it's a great one. And if I think, I don't know if the Johns still do their podcast or their YouTube, but they got a little bit of kind of whiskey fame oh, yeah. for a wee while. Yeah. I think it was called the Two Johns or the Little Johns or something. Um, so it's always good to watch. They're hilarious. Oh, they are funny. They're guys. characters. They're really yeah. Funny guys. yeah. Yeah. We need to get them on the podcast sometime. Yeah. yeah. If they're ever in Chicago. We, they have, he has, I think he hasn't been here in a couple of years since the pandemic changed everything, but a lot of them are going to start coming back. Great. Well, um, we keep hearing that from people and they keep avoiding me. No. <laughs> we're lining them up, baby. We're yeah, lining, we're lining them, them up. Um, yeah, we have uh, some other pretty cool people coming on. Um, actually, Brian, you Brian? Trey? Who? Didn't you have Trey? Here? We had Trey. Trey was uh, one of my favorite interviews of the entire uh, year of 2022 um chris was also there for that too that and was callum was too that was a great day we just he's, we just took, awesome. we just walked in the biddies and said we're taking over <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna use your space we're not here to take part <laughs> so um no trey was great to have him you guys spend that whole day with him too um before that having lunch yeah you cocktails. had like a lunch with him and a dinner and <laughs> yeah. a podcast it was like man, then we, we all went the day with them. Yeah. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's fun, it's fun to hang out with people who create brands, and you know, I I know how it goes with a brand potentially being bought out by a large company, but the owner is still there in that founding role every day, representing the brand and taking part in it, and making all the decisions still, um, which is great to see. I think that's why it works, right? A lot of the time, yeah. You know, people really react well to meeting a founder, or seeing a founder, and like even now, you know people will still say whether it was Graham or whether it was like a, or Trey even, they remember meeting him and it really yeah. changes their perspective of the brand. So hopefully the boys from West Virginia will get themselves out here again soon. Yeah. Yep. I know I treat you as a punching bag sometimes, but uh, <laughs> there is one thing I, I will say to you and the credit that your whole, the whole Apple Hour team did over in the United States for you know four or five years is that you guys don't need a brand ambassador anymore. The brand, you guys have grew that brand so well yeah. and got it out there so much that people just know Avalauer. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to have a brand ambassador or so out there in the market, but yeah, I think I think that's another one that we're going to see a little bit. Or take credit I hope for. That we're going to see a little bit more investment behind. Well, know, yeah. moving into this year because obviously 2022, not great for Avalauer. You know, I feel like oh, wasn't it? No. Oh, really? Uh, no. Well, well the demand was so high, we couldn't we couldn't keep up with the demand. Well, that right. was a, that was the problem. Okay. You know, we I think looking back. Obviously, there was a lot of changes made last December. Yeah. But I think that it's uh, not a warning, but it's definitely a learning point for smaller brands looking at how to build properly because we, I think we were, the pandemic obviously changed everything as well because the all of a sudden our 10, 15% growth year on year, which was very, very sustainable, went from that to 45, 50%. Um, you know, with regards to single malt scotch stock, yeah, it's less yeah. sustainable. Yeah, right. Um, huh. Well, there's a lot of other political reasons that go into that too. Getting whiskey over here right now, that's difficult for a lot of brands. So, yeah. hopefully, our uh, our voted politicians will resolve that someday. <laughs> we can only hope. But, awesome. Um, yeah, another great, a great whiskey. Yeah. Well, Smooth Ambler, awesome. Um, thanks for being here, guys. Cheers. 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 Cheers.